This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of Keeping Carlson Short Shifts. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm I'm lamenting the existence of these crowded nights. Uh, I picked Miko Koskinen uh, and Tristan Jari over Carey Price today, so I'm feeling the sting, still leading my match, but if things get closer later in the week, uh, there might be time for some wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, not only did you pick Miko Koskinen over Carey Price, but you did so against the advice of your intrepid co-host, therefore risking the very fabric by which we create this show. How do you feel having gone so boldly against me? Listen, I think it's important for us to disagree at times. If we were just high-fiving each other about being in agreement all the time, it wouldn't make for a very good show. So I'm making a uh, sacrifice on behalf of the integrity uh, of the product that we put on here. And like I said, ultimately, I hope it uh, doesn't matter. And hey, you need to give your opponents a chance too, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I was thinking about the whole time. Of course. Uh, Lewis, thank you so much for being here. Of course, we are the co-hosts of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts program on Saturdays in the Keeping Carlson Facebook group for patrons. We host a Saturday stream show. This past week, it was actually hosted by two other patrons of the show, Dave Benton, host of the Stream Scheme, and our cohort, Jade Bettine of Average Time on Ice. You can follow the three of us on Twitter at AVG Time on Ice. And Lewis, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen, but I was there live, uh, and it was an amazing time. I had a super good time. So my advice would be to join us at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Come hang out with us every single day. We're chatting about hockey on the patron-only Facebook group. And of course, if you need some assistance on the Twitterverse, you can follow Ben and I and Jade at AVG Time on Ice. Of course, jump on at Keeping Carlson as well as at Game Day Lines with all of your updated uh, line matching based on the tweets from beat writers. And I think we're going to finally get this right today. You can also check out gamedaylinetweets.com. So line is singular, tweets is plural, gamedaylinetweets.com, where you can click through to all the teams and see the latest from each beat writer about how those lines are looking. It is an awesome resource. And we are, this is a bit of a mea culpa here. We did get the URL wrong on back-to-back shows. I say if we're wrong again, Elon, do not at us. We do not care anymore. (laughs) 
uh, let's get into the show. We are, of course, going to chat about some headlines to start off, as usual. And the very biggest headline in hockey today, of course, Jim Montgomery fired for unprofessional behavior not involving players. Lewis, I have no concept of why Jim Montgomery was fired. The Stars are cruising along, one of the better teams in the West. Uh, Definitely a shocking development. My question for you, any theories on what happened with Jim Montgomery? Uh, Well, the fact that it didn't directly involve players, I think, suggests that it's outside the realm of what we've seen recently with Bill Peters or Mike Babcock. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Uh, if it involves other staff. Um, I don't want to speculate too much because uh, I think we get into some, you know, uh, we, we open ourselves up to trouble there. But n- needless to say, uh, certainly interesting to see, you know, this is the first kind of coach who's been having a fair amount of success and hasn't been feeling the heat uh, for the team's failures uh, who is getting let go. And there is a lot of secrecy around it. So this will be one to watch as it develops. Um, but in the meantime, we have real hockey being played right now for the Stars. How dare you be the bigger man next to me? I, now I'm the asshole. <laughs> um, of course, we aren't going to sit here and speculate. But I was just curious if you had any any theories there because it just seemed so unusual. And the fact that no one really knows still, I would think that it'll come out at some point. But very, very strange. Absolutely. Um, so there is a Dallas Stars game tonight. As of this moment, they are... Still winning 2 nothing over the New Jersey Devils. It's after 40 minutes. Maritime boy Rick Bonus, of course, named the interim head coach. And so far through 40 minutes, he is using the same lineup the Stars used in their last game under Jim Montgomery, in which they won. So that means they have a top six of Ben with Sagan and Yanmark, Hints with Pavelski and Radulov, and a power play one of Hints, Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, and Miro Haskinen. Uh, Lewis, any thoughts about these lines? Any thoughts about what we might see out of the Stars over the next few days? So the fact that we were able to see a Pavelski goal from Hintz and Radulov was very exciting, and I think it was a clear indication that Montgomery was out since we also saw that line together last game, which means maybe the Dallas blind blender has been turned off. I think the real hope for fantasy GMs who are holding Dallas Stars players is that the lines will just stay stable and consistent and see if we can't start to develop some consistency among these players. Uh, Two games in a row of the same players with success so far here on Tuesday night looks like the first step in that direction. It was really kind of inscrutable to figure out why Montgomery was making some of these decisions. Maybe he had something weighing on his mind that he was worried about and it was affecting his decision making. Whatever the case may be, he's out and I think that GMs are hoping to see their Stars players get some regular, consistent deployment so they can figure out who they want to hold and who they want to drop. Yeah, I know Elon talks about this a lot, where uh, if a team wins, they're more likely to hold on to their lines from the previous game. I do tend to agree with that. that, That's sort of how I can judge whether or not I think a a lineup will stick. Um, In this case... I definitely don't expect it to just off the top be consistency. I think if anything, we could see a few games of Bonas kind of looking at what he has, shuffling the deck a little bit, 
And if I'm an owner of one of these top six players and I see one of my players cycle down the lineup, I'm going to try not to tilt too hard because it's not really fair to consider the Montgomery shuffle from earlier in the year part of this new bonus shuffle. Uh, It seems to me as though it would be natural for him to shuffle the deck a few times and see what comes out. But yes, hopefully long term, we get to see those main six players uh or those main five players, Ben, Sagan, Hintz, Pavelski, and Radulov in the top six at all times. That is certainly the hope, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, you can get Klingberg fired up a little bit, I'm sure his owners would appreciate that as well. Uh, although we've been seeing Haskinen up there on Power Play 1. So you talked about last week, if there was a potential for kind of a Haskinen takeover, uh, we have yet to see him relinquish his hold on that position. Yeah, I'm all in on Haskinen, to be honest. Uh, Previously in this, this is, you know, something that I'm happy to admit. I I did not see the Miro Haskinen takeover happening this year. Just coming into the season, John Klingberg had been too successful to to think that they would go away from him in the power play one spot. But given his slow start, I don't know why they wouldn't look at Haskinen in a longer term situation. And I mean, he's been excellent on that top unit, so I don't really see why they would go away from it right now. Stick with Haskinen, Mr. Bonus. All right, we'll get into an injury segment here. And the top two injuries in fantasy hockey, we're going to take them one at a time, of course, to rookie phenomenon Kale McCarr and a winger in Philadelphia, Travis Konechny. Konechny, who leads the Flyers in goals and points, has been diagnosed with a concussion after Saturday's win over the Senators. And of course, with a concussion, we're not going to have a definitive timeline this soon after. Um, Currently, to start out, noted fourth liner Tyler Pitlick has taken over for Konechny in that spot with Frost and Giroux at even strength. And the top power play has been shuffled around. We are seeing Voracek, Giroux, Couturier, Lindblom, and Gostaspare on power play one. We've seen Gostaspare in that power play one spot for a few games now. I think he's definitely worth a speculative pickup in the meantime. And seeing Lindblom on that top power play unit as well makes him a lot more interesting to me. Lewis, are they must grabs at this point for you? I think Lindblom certainly fits that criteria. If he's going to be filling in that Konechny spot, he's been having a lot of success this season. Uh, Maybe a little mini breakout for him here. I think I'm much more hesitant on Ghost. Obviously, Ghost has had more than his fair share of time on that top power play with relatively little to show for it. Uh, Some more limited success lately. I think I'm holding steady on whatever I felt about Ghost before. If I felt like Ghost was worth streaming in before, I continue to feel that way or maybe make that move, you know, to get him in. Um, but I'm not especially interested in dropping an asset with value to try to pick up Ghost at this time. Lindblom, on the other hand, that does seem interesting to me. It seems like Konechny is going to be out for at least a week, I would guess. Uh, that's what they had on Rotowire as their estimated uh, earliest time of return. So that's a player that I am very interested in. Yeah, it's not as though the Flyers were killing it with Konechny in the lineup on the power play anyway. Adding Couturier, though, pretty much minimizes the downside on the top power play unit, in my opinion. 
I would prefer long-term to see Konechny and Couturier on that top unit, along with Voracek and Giroux, but that just isn't what we've seen so far. So, I mean, I'm not downgrading the power play, but because of Couturier hopping up there, I think he's a great player. But overall, yeah, I'm with you. Ghost Bear remains interesting to me in deeper leagues. Lindblom is in the same boat, probably in a 12 or 14 team 14 team league. I think he there's definitely teams who could roster Lindblom. And in a 12 team, I think that maybe you're you're looking at depending on your roster construction there. Uh, the other injury that we want to chat about, Kale McCarr skated Monday, but apparently doubtful for Wednesday per the Denver Post. Replaced by Sam Girard on that top power play unit in Monday night's loss to the Calgary Flames. He did nothing in that game. Uh, it is nice to see that Nazem Kadri was a full practice participant today, Tuesday, and... I guess what we're kind of looking at here is reading tea leaves. Last game, we saw McKinnon finish the game between Donskoy and Burakovsky, while JT Comfer was in that second-line center spot between Rantanen and Landeskog. I'm not thinking that that's necessarily going to stick, but I, I could see McKinnon staying between Donskoy and Burakovsky while they try and give a little bit of firepower to that second unit and i would think that cadre would take over for comfort as soon as he returns any changes in value that stick out to you there lewis i mean i think in the short term jt comfort makes a very interesting pickup uh when you have that much talent surrounding him i would uh look at him certainly as a guy that i might be looking to pick up if just for a game donskoy obviously has been hot lately uh a top player in the league over the last couple of weeks and it would be great if he could keep it going i think it would be very interesting to see colorado after years and years of having this super powered top line uh see if they can split them up and still be effective offensively uh, obviously that would spread around some of that wealth to players like Comfort or Kadri when he returns, uh, Donskoy and Burakovsky getting to work together with McKinnon, who we know can put a line on his back on his own. Uh, he put the entire team on his back uh, during the injury period with Rantanen and Landeskog. So maybe getting a taste of playing with some of these different players has shown the coaching staff that he's capable of you know, uh, being very productive and allowing them to split up this offensive firepower they've got. Yeah, I definitely think that it's the most interesting for fantasy owners to split them up. I also probably think that if I'm a McKinnon owner, I, and I am, I would rather have him in that overpowered top line. Maybe once they add Taylor Hall to that top line, then we'll see once again the the absolute ceiling of McKinnon. As far as JT Comfort goes, you mentioned him as a as an interesting ad. Are you thinking that he'll stick there over? Kadri if he returns tomorrow night or are you thinking that this is sort of a, a watch the lines and if that sticks you might add him in a streaming situation yes absolutely don't yeah don't get me confused here I am certainly not saying that uh, I think he's going to hold it over Kadri and certainly if, if Kadri gets that spot like out of that spot Comfer is not a fantasy relevant player despite being uh, you know a Michigan Wolverine and therefore near and dear to my heart uh, but yeah, if, if Kadri is back and he's going to take that spot, then I'm not picking him up. So if you have a league where you're doing fab, you know, I don't think you spend it if we saw Kadri fully participating. Um, but certainly watch those lines because we've seen the last week or so uh, just some last second surprises with how lines shake out. So keep your ear to the ground. Watch Twitter. We'll try to keep an eye out on that for you on Wednesday. So watch at AVG Time on Ice. 
I, I would think if Kadri's healthy and, you know, reading the tea leaves, him being a full participant today makes that likely to me. I think we are very close to seeing a... And listen, I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm apologizing in advance to the state of Colorado, but I am looking forward to seeing that completely healthy Avalanche team at some point here in, you know, the next six or seven months. <laughs> Well, you know, when they were working on the Death Star, uh, it took them a while before it was fully armed and operational, too. So uh, we'll see if if Colorado can get theirs up and running and functional uh, before too long. But obviously, the rest of the Western Conference needs to be on notice, because when they really get everything going, if they can get it rolling the way they hope to, that's going to be a very difficult team to beat. And I mean, this got discussed on the Saturday morning stream with Dave and Jade, but It looks like Taylor Hall may be headed to Colorado. I don't want our overlord Brian to hear this and get mad at us for speculating about a player. So, Brian, please tune out at this moment. Close your ears. Lewis, any any thoughts on the possibility of Taylor Hall ending up in Colorado? Uh, It seems like the obvious swap would be for Burakovsky to lose that spot and for Taylor Hall to slide in in the second line, which would be a just ferocious... uh, top six sounds good to me uh one final headline that i wanted to get to today that was sort of uh that was sort of unexpected was the late scratching from tonight's game for matthew kachuk he's injured with an upper body injury day to day for now toby Ryder made it up to kachuk spot with the lindholm and dube pairing i'm a little worried about him getting so suddenly scratched um any thoughts on losing matthew kachuk anyone stand out to you in calgary so Dubé and Lindholm have been playing very nicely the last couple of days. Obviously, losing Kachuk, who's a big driver on that line, uh, will probably be a negative impact for them. I certainly would rather have Matthew Kachuk up there than Toby Reader. More immediately, we've seen the more traditional stars for the Flames step up in Tuesday night's game against the Coyotes. So far, we have goals from both Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau, so maybe they're starting to see things stabilize under new head coach Ward. Uh, and we're starting to see some of that payoff from the slow, slow, slow start, especially that Gaudreau has had. Um, That line has not done a whole lot tonight, uh, at least in terms of the scoring. It'll be interesting to check it out on Natural Stat Trick tomorrow and see uh, what kind of possession numbers they had and that sort of thing. I think in the short term, obviously, that's going to hurt Lindholm and Dubé, uh, who've had a lot of success recently with Kachuk. But beyond that, I think it's tough to say. Uh, what the impacts may be moving forward. All right. Well, finally, we've seen some new line combos in Columbus, a team that probably does not get its due from fantasy analysts from being somewhat of a milk toast fantasy destination these days after the departure of Panarin. But they did have a big win over Washington on Monday, and their lines were shuffled. They put Pierre-Luc Dubois in between Sonny Milano and Oliver Bjorkstrand. They had... Cam Atkinson playing with Texier and Nyquist, and they had a checking line of Boone Jenner, Felino, and Josh Anderson. Lewis, any thoughts on these switch-ups? Any, any interesting players in Columbus for you at this point? You described Columbus as not getting its due for being a milquetoast team, and the thing that's kind of shocking about this is that Columbus's success in beating Washington 5-2 to seems to have rested upon becoming even more milquetoast by really spreading things out among their lines. Uh, it's kind of hard to look through this group and pick a top line. So uh, we saw some pretty successful control of the shot attempts for the Milano 
PLD and Bjorkstrand line at 59% Corsi4. Felino, Jenner, and Anderson had 55% Corsi4. A little bit less success for Nyquist, Tessier, and Atkinson, who are down at 41%. Um, but they did get a good chunk of time against Ovechkin's line at 5v5, which uh, will help crater your Corsi4 pretty quick. The power plays also had a 1A, 1B look. 1A was Felino, Anderson, Milano, Murray, and Kukan. I'm just calling them 1A because they had more of the time. There were no goals scored uh, that would have um, broken up the power play time. So I can think I can call that the 1A for now. And 1B of Bjorkstrand, Jenner, Nyquist, Dubois, and Jones. So this is a very balanced approach. The early returns against a good Washington team might, if we go by the Elon theory, help them stick for the future. I think mostly this is good news for players who weren't stacked on the top line, top power play. Uh, So players like uh, Bjorkstrand, Anderson, Jenner, and Milano getting better opportunities might hurt players like PLD, Atkinson, and Jones if we're spreading out the scoring. Uh, But if the payoff is more goals and more wins, it could be a net benefit for owners if they can improve their offensive numbers, make it a little harder to play defense against some of the good players by spreading them out a bit. Uh, We'll have to wait and see if this is going to boost scoring overall or if it might hurt some of those stars. Yeah, I think in general what we're going to see from Columbus is a balanced attack, and that is going to be at the detriment of any sort of fantasy relevance for some of these players. We're just not looking at a team that's probably able to sustain a 70 or 80 point score the more likely scenario is that we have a couple of 55 60 point guys who are going to go on runs a la you know the the new york islanders of the past few years where maybe you have a matt barzal type who has a great season but overall their their better chance of winning hockey games is to roll a few equal lines and hope hope that one of three equal lines goes off on any given night Yeah, I think it makes sense. When you can't put together a full superstar line, you might as well spread it around a little bit and make your team a little bit harder to defend. Um, But interesting to see sort of who's going to do this more successfully, Colorado or uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll see which one lasts longer. What a tough call, eh? Well, I just mean in terms of getting W's on the board, like who's going to you know stay with this setup for, for a longer period of time. I think it'll be interesting to see who's going to give up and try to go back to stacking the top line, top PP. Yes, I think that one of them has the... Uh, the difference is that Colorado probably has the luxury of winning with either choice, whereas Columbus is... I mean, a few a few weeks ago... John Tortorella basically admitted he's doing the Seinfeld gif of just like whatever. And what was it? He called them the Seinfeld lines a few weeks ago. He was just like, I'm not even trying. I'm doing whatever the opposite of what makes sense. He just did the Costanza. So, yeah, I don't think that even John Tortorella really knows what's going on over there. At this point, I think that this is the best we can hope for when it comes to what Columbus is doing moving forward. Yep, I'm with you. All right, Lewis, I'm going to hand the keys over to you here. You've developed a segment that I'm dubbing the Lewis Challenge. I'm hoping that you're going to run with that branding. Sure, why not? Uh, So what I want to do is play a little game here to see if we can't identify some of the new emerging starters across the league. So we've seen four players emerge to sort of take 1A or starter positions over the last couple weeks. Alex Stalock, Tristan Jari, Linus Ulmark, and... Alexander Georgiev. 
Uh, we've also maybe seen uh, Jake Allen start to emerge in this way, uh, although he had a rather rough outing here uh, on Tuesday night, so that might put the kibosh on that. Uh, all of these stats are pre-Tuesday, so we'll see some different numbers uh, for Jari and Ulmark uh, moving forward here. So what I've got here is the goalies set up with no names attached to them, just a letter, A, B, C, and D, and the number of games that they've started. I'll give save percentage, expected save percentage, and goals saved above average. And we'll see if Ben can identify these gentlemen. Uh, And then I wanted to see if we can rank them for usefulness on your fantasy team in the short term and in the long term. Yes, I'm excited. I love a challenge. All right, so let's jump in with Goalie A. Goalie A has played 16 games, has a save percentage of .908, with an expected save percentage of 0.924 and a goal saved above average of negative 7.16. This is our one of these things is not like the other goalie. Uh, I'm going to hold off on your guess. Uh, I want to guess already. (laughs) All right. You think you got this one? I, I bet you can guess A and then we can get that out of the way and then move on to the ones that are more similar. I think A is Olmark. Ah, an interesting guess. Oh uh, my do you want god, me to am reveal I reveal it now or do you want no, me to? No, no, no. Let's okay. let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. Uh B has played 15 games, has a save percentage of 0.918 against an expected save percentage of 0.908 and has a goal saved above average of 4.93. Goalie C has played 13 games, has a save percentage of 0.923, an expected save percentage of just 0.900 and a goal saved above average of 9.12. And finally, goalie D has a .942 save percentage against a .922 expected save percentage and a goal saved above average of 6.22. So I'm going to be honest with you, the most confusing element for me here is the game's played portion because I feel like Tristan Jari prior to this blow-up game against Montreal would have the highest save percentage but I don't. I feel like there's no way he's played 18 games so far this year. Well, remember, this is not games started. This is games played in, so that includes times when the other goalie would have been pulled. Mm, interesting. So my first thought was that obviously the expected save percentage would be the lowest for Alexander Georgiev, but I also don't think that he would have the lowest games played. But I will say this. All right. I think that the lowest expected save percentage has to be for the Rangers. So I'm going to guess that C is Georgiev. I'm going to guess that the highest save percentage goes to Tristan Jari, which makes D Tristan Jari. That would make Alex Stalock B and Linus Olmark A. Is there any chance that I'm right? All right. So you did very nicely on the more successful goalies. C is, in fact, Alexander Georgiev. And D is, in fact, Tristan Jari. Uh, That makes it a simple uh, process of elimination to flip A and B because uh, Olmark, despite maybe some challenges, does still have a positive goal saved above average, whereas our boy Alex Stalock kind of showing his true colors there, more or less what we've come to expect from him uh, with that save percentage below his expected and his negative 7.16 goals saved above average. I will say 
the giveaway, I thought, for Staylock would have been the high expected save percentage because we know that Minnesota plays a very strong defensive game and protects their goalies well, even if those goalies can't do very much with the protection they've received. I really didn't think that his his expected save percentage was going to be so high. I, I did think that that was the Sabres somehow, you know, with their nine defensemen turning into a competent unit, somehow protecting Olmark. But yeah, interesting. So he he is definitely underperforming, and that's probably why we're seeing more starts from Capo Kakinen. So Lewis, the question becomes between these four players, and you know what, given what I've learned about Alex Stalock's performance so far i'm gonna throw capo kakinen in i'm subbing state lock out after learning how poorly he's been performing below expectations capo kakinen tristan jari linus allmark alexander georgiev who you got all right well um so in the short term i like jari at the top uh, I know he had a poor performance today, but overall he's been very effective. I have Olmark as my second uh, for the short term, just because I'm a little nervous about that Rangers defense. I have Georgiev third, and I had Stalock as fourth. I suppose if we're subbing in Kakinen, maybe Georgiev and Kakinen about equal, because Georgiev has been performing really well, but Kakinen gets that defensive support. Looking at things long term, I have Olmark as my number one, Georgiev as my number two, Jari as three, and I had Stalock at four, simply because I think Olmark and Georgiev has the best shot at getting the highest share of starts. I think Jari long term, because we've seen it happen in the past, will seed some of those starts back to Matt Murray once he sort of finds his mojo and gets back in action. So there's 20 seconds left in regulation in this Wild Ducks game. It looks like it's going to go to overtime. Kapokakinen, with his third consecutive game of a 939 or above right now. I mean, if he gets scored on an overtime, we'll see that that number is obviously going to go down. But that's three quality starts back to back to back to start the career. Very impressive. I don't mind Kapokakinen in a short-term stream, maybe above Olmark and Georgiev. Yeah, I can certainly see it. I think we wonder what happens uh, when Devin Dubnik gets back and probably gets a shot to take his spot back, maybe if he can perform a little better um, behind that strong defense. But yeah, the Wild are definitely going to be one to watch. So long term, I feel like I would flip it up. I would probably take Georgiev above Tristan Jari, who I think will end up seeding the Nets. Olmark at the top for me. Yeah, I, I Olmark, Georgiev, Jari Kapkinen. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, so that's that's what I had as well for the long term. Okay, so we agree. How nice! <laughs> I wish I had agreed with you at the when I was setting my lines today. And we've gone full circle, folks. For myself, Ben Burnett, I am signing out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. Talk to you later, buddy. All right, sounds good. So thank you to Game Day Line Tweets, Corsica Hockey, Natural Stat Trick, Left Wing Lock for help with researching this episode. Oh, and RotoWire as well for help with those injuries. Uh, please give us a follow at AVG Time on Ice, at Keeping Carlson, and at Game Day Lines. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. <laughs>